Hey guys, Anthony here, and I just wanted to give you a big biohack thank you for listening. I'm so humbled and grateful that you're spending some of your day with me and the Biohacking Secrets Show. And if you get any value from this episode, or you've gotten value from previous episodes, it would mean the world if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode with your friends, family members, and coworkers on social media. That way we can continue to spread this information and positively impact as many lives as possible. And it's also how our podcast gets discovered by more people. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. This is your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are breakfast. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, biohackers? Anthony DiClemente here with a special storytime edition episode of the Biohacking Secret Show and some really cool announcements. So first and foremost, we're doing something fun for you guys where it's going to be Q&A style. And if you have questions that you would like help with or a challenge that may be the traditional medical system has been unable to help you with or even some of the health experts and biohackers that you follow, and you'd like my input on that, we've created a P.O. box where you guys can send in your stories, your questions, uh, donations even. If if information that we've shared on the Biohacking Secret Show podcast, in the Biohacker's Guide, a lot of the content that we put out for free has been valuable to you, and uh, you like supporting things that add value to your life. Um, you can send financial donations, even silver uh, from Gainesville Coins, um, along with your most pressing question or questions to P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. That's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, one word, Illinois, 60015. And I will do my best to read those letters on the air. Um, so if you've gone through a transformation, if your life has improved due to biohacking, some of the information that we share, uh, you can kind of tell us your story, stuff that other people would get value from. And um, and then I'll also take your questions and uh, share answers to those questions on a high level um, in upcoming episodes. So one more time, that's P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois, 60015. And uh, you can address it to me or Biohacking Secrets. And or if you prefer to send it digitally, um, you can send like a paid chat uh, along with your question to entropystream.live slash biohacking secrets. That's E-N-T-R-O-P-Y-S-T-R-E-A-M dot L-I-V-E slash biohacking secrets. And then you just choose uh, send paid chat, put your question in there. I think that one does limit you to a few, um, a certain amount of characters. But anyway, um, those are the two options. I prefer physical letters personally. I want to get get back to doing, you know, more stuff in the real world. And um yeah, so that's something really exciting that we got going on. And if you would like to get verified with a biohacker name, uh, then you can do that. Um, you know, some people are doing, some people are just choosing their first name. So they'll be like biohacker Jill, biohacker Steve. Um, 
I personally like Spartan Biohacker <laughs> for uh, for myself, and um, this is something that uh, Owen Benjamin does on his live stream, and I really, really dig it. I think it's fun. It's a cool way to build community and uh, to give us all, you know, our biohacker our biohacker names. So those of you that uh, either write into the PO box or uh, use that entropystream.live slash biohacking secrets, uh, you can also get verified with your official biohacker name as a part of our community. So that's pretty cool. And last but not least, before we dive into this story time episode, uh, we have our mystery illness coaching program. So if you've been dealing with digestive issues, chronic fatigue, um, pain, inflammation, brain fog, any amount of nagging symptoms where maybe you suspect certain things are at play, but you haven't been able to really get a handle on it and you're just not feeling your best, uh, you can go to biohackercoaching.com. That's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-E-R-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com. And we take you through a proven proprietary process to identify, diagnose, treat, and then optimize uh, your physical and mental performance so that you're living life at your fullest human potential. That's our mystery uh, mystery illness program. And yeah, you can learn more about that and how to apply at biohackercoaching.com. And now, without further ado, I bring to you this week's episode of uh, the Biohacking Secrets Show. And what we'll do is the way that these work, for those of you that aren't familiar, is I'm going to share an excerpt from either a book that I've read, a book that I'm reading, studies, research that I'm going through, some stuff that I think is kind of compelling and interesting. And then for those of you that uh, stick around to the end and enjoy it, I will share what it is in case you want to continue uh, reading and enjoying. So here we go. Government technocrats, billionaire oligarchs, big pharma, big data, big media, the high finance robber barons, and the military industrial intelligence apparatus love pandemics for the same reason they love wars and terrorist attacks. Catastrophic crises create opportunities of convenience to increase both power and wealth. In her seminal book, The Shock Doctrine, The Rise of Disaster Capitalism, Naomi Klein chronicles how authoritarian demagogues, large corporations, and wealthy plutocrats use mass disruptions to shift wealth upward, obliterate the middle classes, abolish civil rights, privatize the commons, and expand authoritarian controls. A consummate insider, the former White House chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, is known for his admonition that vested power structures should, quote, never let a serious crisis go to waste, end quote. But this tread-worn strategy to use crises to inflate the public terror that paves the road to dictatorial power has served as the central strategy of totalitarian systems for the millennia. The methodology is, in fact, formulaic. As Hitler's Luftwaffe co commander, Hermann Göring, explained during the Nazi war crime trials at Nuremberg, quote, It is always a simple matter to drag the people along, whether it is a democracy, a fascist dictatorship, or a parliament, or a communist dictatorship. Voice or no voice, the people can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. 
That is easy. All you have to do is tell them they are being attacked and denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing the country to greater danger. It works the same in any country, end quote. The Nazis pointed to the threats from Jews and gypsies to justify homicidal authoritarianism in the Third Reich. The dictatorial demagogue, Senator Joseph McCarthy, and the HUAC committee warned against communist infiltration of the State Department and film industry to rationalize loyalty oaths and the blacklist. Dick Cheney used the 9-11 attack to launch his, quote, long war, end quote, against amorphous terrorism and the Patriot Act abridgments that laid the groundwork for the modern surveillance state. And just to interject here, those of you guys that haven't looked into 9-11, um, clearly a lot of shenanigans there. As as um, they jokingly say in code, 7-11 was a part-time job, meaning 9-11 was an inside job. And if you look at the uh, the footage of the towers, it was clearly a planned demolition. Um, arguably something where, you know, I'm not, if just look at Tower 7, basically is what it comes down to. If you've never considered whether or not 9-11 was an inside job, look at the demolition of Tower 7, which wasn't even hit by a plane and completely collapsed. And then you can also look at the way that these buildings fell. Uh, they did not fall from plane crashes. It was all... Um, you know, whether you want to say it was done by our government or the uh, non-government organizations, you know, the the people behind the scenes that essentially run our government, that's what was going on there. And um, yeah, if you haven't looked into it, highly encourage you to do so. Um, let's continue. Now, the medical cartel and its billionaire big tech accomplices have invoked the most potent, frightening, and enduring enemy of all. The microbe. And who can blame them? Increasing the wealth and power of the oligarchy is seldom a potent vessel for populism. Citizens accustomed to voting for their governments are unlikely to support policies that make the rich richer, increase political and social control by corporations, diminish democracy, and reduce the, their civil rights. So, demagogues must weaponize fear to justify their demands for blind obedience and to win public acquiescence for the demolition of civil and economic rights. Of course, the first casualty must always be freedom of speech. After stoking sufficient panic against the hobgoblin du jour, robber barons need to silence protest against the wealth against their wealth and power grabs. And this is something that we've experienced on every platform, Instagram, Facebook, even our email has been censored for speaking out against this stuff. Um, even the Biohacking Secret Show podcast is, is experiencing a great deal of censorship. So if you guys enjoy these episodes and you'd like this information getting out there, please uh, share it with friends, family members, coworkers, people who are open-minded enough to consider that what's going on is not the uh, the quote-unquote pandemic <laughs> that, uh, that we've been led to believe. And I'm not saying that people aren't getting sick. I'm not saying that there aren't physical symptoms taking place. I'm not saying that people aren't dying because I understand that all of those things are taking place. But uh, there's a lot more to it. Um, and that's, you know, we've covered some of that in, in other episodes. All right, so let's continue. 
In including free speech in the First Amendment of the Constitution, James Madison argued that all of our other liberties defend on this, depend on this right. Any government that can hide its mischief has license to commit atrocities. As soon as they get a hold of the levers of authority, tyrants impose Orwellian censorship and begin gaslighting dissenters. But ultimately, they seek to abolish all forms of creative thinking and self-expression. They burn books, destroy art, kill writers, poets, and intellectuals, outlaw gatherings, and at their worst, force oppressed minorities to wear masks that atomize any sense of community or solidarity and prevent the subtle, eloquent, nonverbal communication for which God and evolution have equipped humans with 42 facial muscles. The most savage Middle Eastern theocracies mandate masks for women whose legal status, not coincidentally, is as chattels. The free flow of information and self-expression are oxygen and sunlight for representative democracy, whose function, who, which functions best with policies annealed in the boiling cauldron of public debate. It is axiomatic. It is axiomatic that without free speech, democracy withers. The most iconic and revered monuments of democracy therefore include the Athenian Agora and Speaker's Corner at Hyde Park. We can't help feeling exhilaration about our noble experiment in self-government when we witness the boisterous, irreverent debates in the House of Commons or watch Jimmy Stewart's filibuster scene in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, an enduring homage to the inseparable bond between debate and democracy. To consolidate and fortify their power, dictatorships aim to replace those vital ingredients of self-rule, debate, self-expression, dissent, and skepticism with rigid authoritarian orthodoxies that function as secular surrogates for religion. These orthodoxies perform to abolish critical thinking and regiment populations in blind, unquestioning obedience to undeserving authorities. Instead of citing scientific studies to justify mandates for masks, lockdowns, and vaccines, our medical rulers cite the WHO, CDC, FDA, and NIH, captive agencies that are groveling sock puppets to the industries they regulate. Multiple federal and international investigations have documented the financial entanglements with pharmaceutical companies that have made these regul these regulators cesspools of corruption. There are a couple things that make Lyme disease, and more specifically, the spirochete bacteria, Borrelia burgdorferi, particularly hard to treat. The first is that it's known as the great imitator, meaning that it mimics the symptoms of 200 other conditions. So a lot of times people think they've got thyroid disorder or adrenal problems or chronic fatigue or a whole host of other stuff going on, rheumatoid arthritis, when in reality they have a low-level chronic bacterial infection. The testing is notorious for producing false negatives. So a lot of people will get a Lyme test that only has maybe a 30% uh, accuracy level. 
and they'll get a negative test result and then they'll go looking elsewhere and spend years or even decades going down the wrong path. And last but not least, the bacteria has this spirochete form, which means it's able to bury in our central nervous system, our brain, our connective tissue, and a lot of the most effective commonly known treatments for Lyme disease like blood ozone, ultraviolet blood radiation, IV light therapy combined with uh, intravenous um, vitamins, and then you have the herbal protocols like the Bunner protocol, the Cowden protocol, etc. A lot of times these get people results for a few months or even a few years, but they're unable to effectively get into the connective tissue and the central nervous system and get rid of the spirochete bacteria that are kind of hibernating there. And then it comes back. Well, Clinic St. George in Bad Eibling, Germany has developed a breakthrough treatment that they discovered almost on accident while helping people with cancer. It's called extreme whole body hyperthermia. And based on the 1927 Nobel Prize, they found that when you heat the body up in a safe and controlled medically supervised setting to 107 degrees for a period of two hours and maintain it there, you're able to wipe out uh, the Borrelia bacteria. And then when you follow it up with intravenous laser therapy and IV riboflavin, you're able to knock out the co-infections like Bartonella and Babesia that otherwise are able to maintain a foothold because you've got the Lyme bacteria, the Borrelia, suppressing the immune system. So if you or someone you know is dealing with cancer or Lyme disease, the St. George Clinic in Bad Eibling, Germany has helped over 25,000 people with cancer and now over 2,500 people with Lyme disease. And it's the most effective treatment modality that I'm aware of for helping with chronic Lyme, especially if you've tried a lot of the other things out there. And if you want more information, you can go online to their website, which is Clinic St. George. You can just Google that. That's probably the easiest way to find it. But their website, I'll spell it out for you. It's K-L-I-N-I-K-S-T-G-E-O-R-G.D-E slash E-N slash. That'll give it to you in English. And it's Clinic St. George in Bad Eibling, A-I-B-L-I-N-G, Germany. And I just did a podcast with their medical director, Dr. Dows. It's, I believe, episode 215 of the Biohacking Secrets show. So check that out if you are interested. And please pass this along to anyone who may benefit from it. All right. Thank you. Back to the episode. I, iatra, <laughs> this is a word I haven't seen before. Iatrarchy. Iatrarchy, I-A-T-R-A-R-C-H-Y, meaning government by physicians, is a little known term. Oh, well, thank you, after I stumbled all over it. <laughs> is a little known term, perhaps because historical experiments with it have been catastrophic. The medical profession has not proven itself an energetic defender of democratic institutions or civil rights. Virtually every doctor in Germany took lead roles in the Third Reich's project to eliminate mental defectives, homosexuals, handicapped citizens, and Jews. 
so many hundreds of German physicians participated in Hitler's worst atrocities, including managing mass murder and unspeakable experiments at the death camps, that the Allies had to stage separate, quote-unquote, medical trials, end quote, at Nuremberg. Not a single prominent German doctor or medical association raised their voice in opposition to these projects. And just to jump in here, it is important to realize that with the Nuremberg trials, this is where a lot of the the German officers and the German physicians that engaged in these war crimes were supposed to be tried and uh, served justice. If you actually look it up, it was less than 20 people, probably closer to 14 or 15, that were even um, convicted at the uh, in Nuremberg. And if you go beyond that, many of them, through Operation Paperclip, were actually given jobs in the United States government and our shadow government, particularly over at NASA. And um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so... Um, it, it helps you to understand some of what's going on now when you realize that the justice many of us assumed took place after World War II didn't really occur. And many of these people were just um, given positions in our own government. So it's unsurprising that instead of demanding blue ribbon safety science and encouraging honest, open and responsible debate on the science, the badly compromised and newly empowered government health officials charged with managing the COVID-19 pandemic response collaborated with mainstream and social media to shut down the discussion on key public health and civil rights questions. They silenced the excommunicated heretics, such as Dr. Mercola, who refused to genuflect to pharma and treat unquestioning faith in zero liability, shoddily tested experimental vaccines as religious duty. Our current Iatrarchy's rubric of scientific consensus is the contemporary iteration of the Spanish Inquisition. It is a fabricated dogma constructed by this corrupt caste of physician technocrats and their media collaborators to legitimize the claims, their claims to dangerous new powers. The high priests of the modern Inquisition are Big Pharma's network and cable news gas bags who preach rigid obedience to official diktats, including lockdowns, social distancing, and the moral rectitude of donning masks despite the absence of peer-reviewed science that convincingly shows that masks prevent COVID-19 transmission. The need for this sort of proof is gratuitous. They counsel us to instead, quote unquote, trust the experts. Such advice is both anti-democratic and anti-science. Science is dynamic. Quote unquote, experts frequently differ on scientific questions and their opinions can vary in accordance with the demands of politics, power, and financial self-interest. Nearly every lawsuit I have ever brought pitted highly credentialed experts from opposite sides against each other, all of them swearing under oath to diametrically antithetical positions based on the same set of facts. Science is disagreement. The notion of scientific consensus is oxymoronic. The modern intention of the totalitarian state is corporate kleptocracy, 
a construction, a construct that replaces democratic process with the arbitrary edicts of unelected technocrats. Invariably, their fiats invest multinational corporations with extraordinary power to monetize and control the most intimate parts of our lives, enrich billionaires, impoverish the masses, and manage dissent with relentless surveillance and obedience training. In 2020, led by Bill Gates, Silicon Valley applauded from the sidelines as powerful medical charlatans applying the most pessimistic projections from discredited modeling and easily manipulated PCR testing. Guys, the PCR test is complete garbage. Even its creator, Kerry Mullis, publicly said that. He publicly bashed Fauci uh, as a moron, quote unquote, a moron, someone that should not be in a position of power and Uh, Not surprisingly, he was murdered about seven months before the uh, COVID-19 pandemic unfolded. They did that so that they could use his test, which is easily manipulated to, um, you know, to, to, to control the narrative and manipulate the numbers. And easily manipulated PCR testing and a menu of new protocols for coroners that appeared intended to inflate reporting of COVID-19 deaths, fanned pandemic panic, and confined the world's population under house arrest. The suspension of due process, due notice, and comment rulemaking meant that none of the government prelates, prelates, who ordained the quarantine had to first publicly calculate whether destroying the global economy, disrupting food and medical supplies, and throwing a billion humans into dire poverty and food insecurity would kill more people than it would save. In America, their quarantine predictably shattered the nation's once booming economic engine, putting 58 million Americans out of work and permanently bankrupting over 100,000 small businesses, including 41,000 black-owned businesses, some of which took three generations of investment to build. These policies have also set in motion the inevitable dismantling of the social safety net that nurtured America's envied middle class. Government officials have already begun liquidating the hundred-year legacies of the New Deal, New Frontier, the Great Society, and Obamacare to pay the accumulated quarantine debts. Say goodbye to school lunches, health care, WIC, Medicaid, Medicare, university scholarships, probably pensions, and more. While obliterating, obliterating the American middle class, and dropping an additional 8% of Americans below the poverty line, the 2020 COVID coup transferred a trillion dollars of wealth to big technocracy, big technology, big data, big telecom, big finance, big media behemoths, Michael Bloomberg, Rupert Murdoch, and Silicon Valley internet titans such as Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Sergey Brin, Larry Page, and Jack Dorsey. 
It seems beyond coincidence that these men who are cashing in on the poverty and misery caused by global lockdowns are the same men whose companies actively censor critics of those policies. The very internet companies that that snookered us all with with the promise of democratizing communications have created a world where it has become impermissible to speak ill of official pronouncements and practically a crime to criticize pharmaceutical products. The same tech, data, and telecom robber barons now gorging themselves on the corpses of our obliterated middle class are rapidly transforming America's once proud democracy into a censorship and surveillance police state over which they profit at every turn. For example, this cabal used the lockdown to accelerate construction of their 5G network of satellites, antenna, biometric facial recognition, and, quote, track and trace, end quote, infrastructure that they and their government and intelligence agency partners will use to mine and monetize our data for free, compel obedience to arbitrary dictates, and to suppress dissent. Their government, industry, collaboration will use this system to manage the rage when Americans finally wake up to the fact that this outlaw gang has stolen our democracy, our civil rights, our country, and way of life while we huddled in orchestrated fear from a flu-like illness. Guys, I'm sharing this because we need to wake the F up. We're giving away our power right now, and it's going to get to a point if we don't do something, which I believe we can, that's why I'm doing this. If we don't do something to turn this around, what is that something? It's non-compliance. It's non-dependence. It's going in on land with friends, family, coworkers, getting land that is where you can have off-grid power because there will be power outages coming and they will be planned. Getting land where you have spring water or well water and you don't depend on municipal city water. Start a garden because there's going to be food shortages. There already is supply chain breakdowns. What do you think is going to happen when all of these uh, pilots and people that are responsible for the supply chains refuse to take the vaccine? We're going to see prices on these goods. As the goods supply decreases, we're going to see the prices go way up, not to mention the inflation that's caused by everything they're doing on purpose. We have to wake up we have to come together. We have to quit fighting with each other over stupid things. This is not about a virus. It's not even about a vaccine. This is about the enslavement of humanity. And if we act like scared little slaves, that's what we're going to become. So the time is now for us to come together. Where the heck was I? I got fired up. <laughs> Predictably, our other constitutional guarantees lined up behind free speech at the, gib at, at the gibbet. The imposition censorship has masked this systemic demolition of our constitution, including attacks on our freedoms of assembly through social distancing and lockdown rules, on freedom of worship, including abolishing religious exemptions and closing churches while liquor stores remain open as a quote-unquote essential service private property, the right to operate a business, due process, including the imposition of far-reaching restrictions against freedom of movement, education, and 
association without rulemaking, public hearings, or economic and environmental impact statements. The Seventh Amendment right to jury trials in cases of vaccine injury caused by corporate negligence, our rights to privacy and against illegal searches and seizures, warrantless tracking and tracing, and our right to have governments that don't spy on us or retain our information for mischievous purposes. Silencing Dr. Mercola's voice, of course, was the medical cabal's early priority. For decades, Dr. Mercola has been among the most effective and influential advocates against the pharmaceutical paradigm. He was an eloquent, charismatic, and knowledgeable critic of a corrupt system that had made America Americans the world's top consumer of pharmaceutical drugs. Americans pay the highest prices for drugs and have the world's worst health outcomes among the top 75 nations. I think I screwed that up. Let's try that again. Americans pay the highest prices for drugs and have the worst health outcomes among the top 75 nations. Putting opiates, which kill 50,000 Americans annually, aside, pharmaceuticals are now the third biggest killer of Americans after heart attacks and cancer. Like a prophet in the wilderness, Dr. Mercola has argued for years that good health does not come in a syringe or a pill, but from building strong immune systems. He preaches that nutrition and exercise are the most effective medicines and that public health officials ought be pushing policies that discourage reliance on pharmaceutical products and that safeguard our food supplies from big food, big chemical, and big agriculture. These predatory industries naturally consider Dr. Mercola to be public enemy number one. Big Pharma's $9.6 billion annual advertising budget gives these unscrupulous companies control over our news and television outlets. Strong economic drivers, pharmaceutical companies are the biggest network advertisers, have long discouraged mainstream media outlets from criticizing vaccine manufacturers. In 2014, a network president, Roger Ailes, A-I-L-E-S, told me he would fire any of his news show hosts who allowed me to talk about vaccine safety on air. Quote, our news division, he explained, gets up to 70% of ad revenues from pharma in non-election years. End quote. This pharmaceutical, thus pharmaceutical products were both the predicate and the punchline of the cancel culture. The far, the far media long ago banned Dr. Mercola from the airwaves and newsprint while turning Wikipedia, which functions as Big Pharma's newsletter and propaganda vehicle, into a mill for defamations against him and every other integrative and functional health physician. At COVID's outset, the social media robber barons all with their own financial entanglements with Big Pharma, joined the campaign to silence Mercola by ejecting him from their platforms. It's a bad omen for democracy when citizens can no longer conduct civil, informed debates about critical policies that impact the vitality of our economy, public health, personal freedoms, and constitutional rights. Censorship is violence, and this Systematic muzzling of debate, 
which proponents justify as a measure to curtail dangerous polarization is actually fueling the polarization and extremism that the autocrats use to clamp down with ever more draconian controls. We might recall at this strange time in history, my father's friend Edward R. Murrow's warning that, quote, the right to dissent is surely fundamental to the existence of a democratic society. That's the right that went first in every nation that stumbled down the trail to totalitarianism. And that's from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Quote, if it turns out COVID-19 came from a lab, it would shatter the scientific edifice top to bottom. And that's from Antonio Regalado, a biomedicine editor of the MIT Technology Review. And I think that's a good spot to stop. If you guys enjoyed this segment, it is from, it is the introduction to uh, the truth about COVID-19, exposing the great reset, lockdowns, vaccine passports, and the new normal by Dr. Joseph Mercola and Ronnie Cummins, C-U-M-M-I-N-S. Uh, I believe it's available on Amazon. Uh, so far, the book is fantastic. Highly, highly recommend. Gift it to people who are still believing the mainstream narrative. And uh, and stop, guys, stop taking the jabs. <laughs> um well, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, your family members, coworkers, and uh, leave a review for the Biohacking Secrets Show um, wherever you listen. Let me know what you think, What, who else you'd like to have on the show, and send your letters, um, donations, if you've gotten value from anything that we've done. Um, and I'll read them on the air. Send them to uh, Biohacking Secrets, P.O. Box 7151, Deerfield, Illinois 60015. And again, if you want more information about our mystery illness coaching program and, and truly want to unlock your full human potential, um, you can learn more about that at biohackercoaching.com. Thanks so much, guys. I'm Anthony DiClemente, and I'll talk to you soon in another episode. What's up, guys? Anthony here. And one of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like living life with the body you've always wanted and all day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that are holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this now with thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebs, and entrepreneurs is that there is always room for improvement and optimization. So if you're looking for help with this stuff and you'd like to see if you're a fit to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, this program is usually full year-round with a waiting list, but we just had a few spots open up. And I wanted to make this available to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So what you want to do if you want to apply is head over to biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching, C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G. Fill out the short application form. And if you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. I look forward to potentially 
potentially going on this journey together. 